It's one of those mornings uh, when we've got to be set for some inspiring talk. Harsh Mariwala, Chairman Mariko Limited, founder of the Ascent Foundation, author of the epic book, Harsh Realities, is here. Wonderful to see you. Looking resplendent as always. How are you? Thank you, Rishi. Thank you. I'm all good. Great. Always great talking to you. Today is going to be a combination of what the Ascent Foundation is, the Ascent Conclave, as well as, you know, India's growth story and how you've always been so bullish about Indian entrepreneurs. Let's start with people who are living under a rock who haven't heard previous conversations that you and me have had. What is the Ascent Foundation all about? If you could elaborate, that'll be wonderful. So Ascent Foundation is an initiative I started 10 years back, and it was my way of giving something back to the society, not just financially but also in terms of my time spent. So I spent almost 20 to 25% of my time on SN Foundation. And over 10 years, SN Foundation has grown into a much larger entity. As of today, we have 850 members associated with Ascent. Uh, a substantial part are in Bombay because we, that's where we started. And then we went to Chennai. So about 100 or so are from Chennai. And the pandemic gave us a great opportunity to go all India. So now we have uh, more than 100 members from other parts of the country. And uh, these are members who regularly participate in what we call our trust group uh, meetings. And they learn from each other. It's a peer learning platform where they learn from each other and resolve their own issues. And if you look at some other numbers, like the cumulative turnover of all the ascent uh, entrepreneurs, it would add to something like 52,000 crores. Uh, it would be comprising of roughly about 50% for manufacturing, 50% for services. About 8% will be women, much more for family-owned businesses. And I spend a lot of time in, in you know, drawing up the program we have an ascent conclave coming up in the on the month of November on 24th of November. So you know, work towards giving something back, which is relevant for the entrepreneurs. We also have many other events like mentoring, huddles, and many other initiatives which help entrepreneurs. And especially in COVID times, I mean, we I think we excelled in terms of holding our entrepreneurs' hands because many of them were going through tough times and they didn't know how to handle the situation whether it was the wages they had to give or not, or what kind of, how do they manage cash flows. So we actually give them a lot of advice. We don't fund these organizations, but they learn from each other and they learn from us also. And I strongly feel that entrepreneurs are very, very crucial for India's growth story. I think there is a point up to which you can expect the government to do. But beyond that, the entrepreneurs have to take the baton in their hands and drive growth. The Ascent Conclave, which this year is 24th of November, yes. it's of particular interest to me also because I've had the good fortune of participating in one of them. For people who are not familiar with it, I, before we get to this year's edition, I'd like you to talk about highlights of at least the keynote addresses in the on-ground as well as online editions in the past of the Ascent Conclave. So we have tried to take an individual who had uh, built something and created, we may call it history, we may created a big impact while selecting the, the keynote speaker. And it has, the keynote speaker has to have a very strong story, stature, and also able to communicate to all the entrepreneurs and, you know, inspire others through their story. So if I look back at the past, from the year 2016, when we started adding Conclave, we had Uday Kotak as the first entrepreneur, then we had Sajan Jindal, then we had Rajiv Bajaj or Bajaj Auto. After that, we had Naveen Tiwari, New Age Business in Mobi. In the year 2020, we had Kiran Mazumdar and Dr. Gurugram Rajan as our keynote speakers. And last year, we had Nandan Nilakani. So we have combined you know, a mix of entrepreneurs as well as those who have had a big impact on India's growth story. And they have given their story and you know they have inspired our audiences through this route. And this year, we have chosen Mr. Natarajan Chandrasekhar, who is 
heading the Tata's group to talk about disruptions in thriving on change. And he has got a phenomenal story. He himself uh, has done extremely well for the Tata group. So he will talk about thriving for change and what can entrepreneurs do in this fast changing environment. One is the keynote speaker. I know that you speak and the keynote speaker speaks. You set the tone for the day at the Ascent Conclave. But you also have these wonderful panel discussions, discourses, almost like fireside conversations between captains of the industry and entrepreneurs. Panelists who have featured on ground as well as online at past editions before year 2022 in the Ascent Conclave, please. So I think uh, I don't remember the names of all the panelists, but we have had uh, individuals who had an impact depending on the year in terms of what have they done. So normally what we do is we take a theme and this year the theme for the conclave is thriving on change and, you know, have panelists and topics which are relevant for that particular theme. So, and one of the sessions is also a fun session, normally the last session. So a few years back, we had roasting for Ronnie Struwala. We had those two comedians who, uh, you know, they were running that sort of the thing who, uh, you know, got some bad press. AIB. (laughs) Yeah. AIB. Yeah. Yeah, Correct. correct. (laughs) I mean, we ultimately, the last session is more of a fun session. But there is a lot of learning and, you know, we've got phenomenal feedback about the Ascent Conclave from the attendees. And we, on average, we get, in, for every year, we've got a rating of about 4.5 to 4.7 or 5-point scale. So that itself shows that people have enjoyed the deliberations, they've learned a lot from it. And more importantly, it's a great opportunity to meet each other. In the last two years, because of the COVID, we had to have a virtual session. But there also, we tried to have networking sessions after the lectures. We are in different rooms and things like that virtually. But this year, again, we are doing it on a much larger scale because we have a location now in Bombay, which is the, the Geo Convention Center. And we expect uh, about 1,000 people to, to attend this conference. I'd like you to just spend a little time on the theme. I know that you very carefully choose that theme. You just gave away the theme. But why have you chosen this particular theme for this year? If you could get into an explanation. So just to repeat, the, the theme is thriving on change. We believe that in the last few years, change has occurred on many fronts. Some of them we could anticipate. Something like COVID was not anticipated. Something like the war, Russian war was not anticipated. And those two events have had a huge impact on our lives, including the businesses. So how can businesses leverage these discontinuities and not get threatened by them? And can you actually turn those so-called changes in environment to your advantage? So even COVID, though it had its own set of negatives, it had a huge set of positives also. And organizations which were able to drive this and capitalize on this benefited a lot from COVID also. I am not for... I mean, not saying that COVID was uh, was good. It, it had its terrible effects on lives and all that. But many organizations benefited because there are different lengths to this chain. I also believe that we are at a stage where so many new technologies are coming in our lives, whether it's robots or whether it is digital technologies, artificial intelligence. And we will see that I think these technologies provide huge opportunities for growth. And if you look at all the unicorns which have happened in the recent past, most of them are built on the back of a technology. You know? So it's it's very important that entrepreneurs realize that these disruptions which are occurring in the environment are leveraged from an opportunistic point of view and not from a threat perception. For example, we are an FMCG company, Marico, and we have never been threatened in the past as much as the FMCG has been threatened in the recent past by emergence of D2C brands, private labels. So how can FMCG companies ride this wave? 
and what we have done in in Maricopa too, we have acquired three D2C brands. We want to participate in this journey of disruption and also learn from that. You did say that Natarajan Chandrasekharan, Chairman Tata Sons, is going to deliver the keynote address. But let's now come to the intricate details of this year's conclave. If you could give us a list of prominent speakers and what fields they are from, yeah. then anybody who's going to register will get a bird's eye view of what's happening. So for the fun session, I'll let me start with fun. We have got hold of the sharks who had participated in the first years and the same sharks are again doing it this year. So four of the sharks, uh, starting with Namita Thapar to Aman Gupta of Boat to Vinita Singh of Sugar Cosmetics to Fuse Mantal of Lenskart. What was their experience in, in being uh, sharks? What did they learn? And post their investing in these companies, what has been their experience? And combine that with a lot of fun, some anecdotes, some other numerous uh, parts of their uh, journey in as a part of Sharks, you know. So that's four of them. Then we have one other keynote speaker in Boman Irani. Boman is, I don't know how many people know, but he started his life as a waiter. And then he went to become a photographer. He was helping his mother running a bakery shop. And from there, he went to theater. And he became an actor at a much later age, I believe around 40 or so. So, you know, how he has transformed himself over a period of time. I mean, this is a very inspirational story. And with his way of talking, I think it's going to be a great story. And it will be very inspiring, very interesting for all the listeners to listen to it. And then we have new age businesses. Like we have Ajit Mohan from Meta India. So Metaverse is, is a big thing. And he and Anand Narayan, who uh, started his Mensa brand, Anand was earlier in Flipkart, and then he started his own Mensa brand, which has become a unicorn within the shortest period of time. So they will talk about the new age shifts and digital shifts and all that. And then we have other speakers like Meena Ganesha of Portia Medical, Ajit Pai of Delivery, and Mr. Nathan of Deloitte talking about, again, disruptions and how to cash on these disruptions. So a very uh, good program, very diverse at one level, very good speakers. And all I can say is that there is a huge take-home value for all the listeners. And I am very confident that this year's program will be, especially when it's going to be held on a much larger scale, it will appeal to a lot of entrepreneurs. And my personal, even if you're thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, you'll learn a lot from this program. That's wonderful. Can I get a call to action where people can register? And what do they get when they register in terms of facilities? The venue, of course, you've talk, talked yes. about, but some key takeaways, please. So as I said, we expect about 1,000 people to be there. At a time, there may be six, seven hundred because some people are not able to attend for the full day. And it's for uh, if you want to attend the event, you you can register by going on our platform. And uh, I think it costs physical attendance would cost about seven thousand rupees registration fee, but that will include breakfast, lunch, and even after the program is over, cocktails. You know, so you get to listen to not only individuals but interact with almost thousand entrepreneurs, and I think that's. To me, is very rewarding. If you don't want to do it online and if you're, say, out of town, if you don't want to attend physically, you can do online for which the cost is one and a half thousand rupees. So you can actually listen to all the speakers through that. And then if you want to, I think you can log on to www.snfoundation.in for getting more details on the conclave and how to register. I'm going to repeat that. It's www.ascentfoundation.in ascentfoundation.in to register. They're also very active on social media. You can check them out on Twitter as well as Facebook. So I'm excited by the fact that the Shark Tank guys will be there to provide the drama. But just a little bit, I mean, when you 
put Ajit Mohan and Ajit Pai, Meena Ganesh and S.V. Nathan in a room together, many, many interesting things uh, can happen. What are your expectations from that particular session? I, no, I, I think they, will, they, are, they are divided into two different sessions. So Ajit Mohan and Anand Narayan will be in one session and in one. Meena Ganesh and S.V. Nathan. As we not going to be in a separate session. So I think we are curating those sessions and, you know, trying to ensure that there is not too much of a repeat. Each session is a, is a learning by itself, you know, because we don't want the same thing to be talked by different individuals. So all the sessions have been curated. We just took the topic. We finalized the speaker that now in the next one month, that is 24th of November, we have more than a month to actually work on curating the sessions. We also have uh, somebody who's helping us do that. It's very important that the sessions are properly curated because ultimately, if you go through the rehearsals and learning, then, you know, they take home value. What is it that you admire about Natarajan Chandrasekharan? In your extensive career, so many people admire you. But the fact that, you know, you have a colleague here who's going to deliver a keynote address, a fellow captain of the industry. <laughs> so I think what he has done within a limited short period of time, this two years is something amazing. To some extent, the environment may, may have helped him, but the fact that he's a professional, he's not an entrepreneur, and he stepped into the biggest uh, house of entrepreneurs yeah. in India, and how he's transformed all the companies starting, of course, Tata Consultancy, which he was a part of, uh, continues to do well. But all the other Tata companies, whether it's Indian Hotels or whether it is Titan, which was anyway doing well, or whether Tata Motors or Tata Steel or many other Tata companies have really flourished under him. And that itself is a proof that, yes, he is absolutely doing the right thing. Well, you can hear him at the Ascent Conclave, 24th of November, AscentFoundation.in. You know, just moving on to a couple of questions on the general business and economic environment of this country. All of a sudden, Harsh, there is a renewed interest in India and India Inc. from global investors, considering the loss in value of China as an investment destination. You know, there's lots of fanfare around iPhone 14 now being made in India. What are your thoughts on the current business environment as regards entrepreneurship and business, both domestic production and consumption, as well as exports? I think first of all, you must realize that currently the whole world is going through a bad time in terms of business environment. And the overall prediction on the global GDP growth rate is getting lowered by the month or every few months. So that's a sign of worry. And one can never predict whether it will sustain or will improve. A lot will depend on the war. So, But if this war continues, then uh, I think the overall outlook for the global business is not good. Now, within that also, there will be a huge, shall I say, variation depending on where you are, which country you are from. You heard about Europe is supposed to be in a very bad shape. And some people also saying that Europe over a period of time may just become a tourist attraction, you know. <laughs> they may stop having, I mean, that's the worst case scenario, you know. But uh, considering the fact that there are global crises in many economics, and we've seen what happened in Sri Lanka and many other countries, India is relatively in a much better shape. And China also is going through its own set of issues, partly because it's getting isolated from the world, partly because of COVID, one-child policy. So India is, in a way, relatively in a sweeter spot. Of course, there are other competitors to India and Bangladesh, Vietnam, which can also take away that opportunity of, you know, because many now organizations are looking at China plus one, you know. So they want to have, not just depend on China, but China plus one of the country. Now look at India and, you know, if you look at India and the educational levels and overall capability of Indians, I think we have a better opportunity to go in more value-added businesses rather than businesses which are leveraging only on labor cost. And I think that's where we should be concentrating upon. We still have a long way to go in terms of our reforms. You know? we, I mean, the government came out with their own set of reforms on agriculture, labor, but they've got stalled for whatever reason. You know? 
And I think we have to improve on that. And number two, I don't think we have arrived. Just because we are in a speed spot, that doesn't mean that we it's there for us. I think we have to show it. You know, because many times we try and celebrate victory too early and we should not do so. I think we have to try much harder, improve our productivity levels, improve our ease of doing business, and then only we will be able to make a bigger impact. So what are the need gaps that can be filled in the ease of doing business in India? I mean, like you said, it leaves a lot to be desired still. So I think the government started off by saying that they have to approve labor laws and you know, they came with some draft laws, but we have not seen the light. We have not seen having an impact overall on that front. Agricultural reforms were stalled for whatever reason. Maybe the implementation was not done in the right way. We have to improve on administration reform. We have to judicial reforms, legal reforms, police reforms. And there are so many things which we need to do. The issue is that, you know, these set of reforms are far more difficult to implement than the earlier set of reforms that the government did because there are interested parties wanting protection. And I think it's important that how these reforms are executed is equally important than what needs to change. You know, the depreciation risk to the rupee remains, foreign portfolio investor outflows continue, and this is in response to the increase in policy rates. The battle to calm inflation in India, your thoughts on that, please? See, inflation to some extent in the recent past is, is an important inflation. It's mainly because of crude prices going up and supply chain disruptions which are happened because of the war or prior to that because of COVID, you know. And to some extent, the government's hands are tied down because they can't do anything much about it. So they can increase interest rates. If there is speculative inflation, they can curb it by increasing interest rates. But to some extent, the whole world is living in inflationary times. And to say that we will be able to nullify inflation is, I don't think in today's environment, it's going to be possible. But the key thing is by proper monetary measures, if they can keep it under check and be lower than some other countries, which we are today, I think then we would be on a good wicket. I think the key thing is how many notes you want to print. If you want to have an easy solution by printing more notes, it will lead to inflation. So the government is right in, in on that front that, okay, they have been able to contain that fiscal deficit by not printing too much notes and, you know, having a constraint on uh, monetary kind of supply. And to some extent on the dollar front, which you mentioned, you know, it's not that the Indian rupee is weak, it's the dollar which is strong and you need to compare Indian rupees performance versus other currencies, you know, and if you look at that part, then I think relatively we have done better than many other currencies globally. You did say it's not alarming. I mean, it's a global trend, but Moody's has lowered its growth forecast for the Indian economy, citing higher inflation, of course, affecting duty cuts and targeting subsidies. But still, despite that, you know, we would be doing better than many other countries. That's where I'm coming from. I don't think we... It's going to be a huge impact on our overall, say, economy, but we would be better off in worse. But affecting duty cuts and targeting subsidies to protect the needy against the price rise. Just cursory comment on that, please. No, I think it depends on what is what is impacting the poor. And I think it's very important that the inflation, poor get protected through inflation. The government has been kind enough to give uh, free food grains and they've extended that. I think up to December or March, if I remember yeah. rightly. So I think that's a good sign that the poor uh, need to be protected and whatever needs to be done. And these are more essential items where if they can either give a direct subsidy because of DBS or what is required to actually make them at least eat their basic essential like food and all that. If, if they can play that role, that'll be good. Okay, just some fun questions to wrap up. What is a recent uh, travel or holiday destination you went to that you found fascinating? And <laughs> what did you do there? Have you managed to travel after the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been traveling quite a lot. In fact, I was out, uh, I had gone to Dubai and then I went to Amalfi Coast in the recent past. But to talk about Dubai, my grandchildren stay there. So I spent uh, two days with them and went to uh, Masan also stay there. 
with his children. So we took our grandchildren without the parents to the Atlantis Hotel and spent uh, one full day going for that in the water park there. You know, to me, we had great fun with them. They're young. My grandchildren are eight and five, but I think that was my most memorable holiday in the recent past. Yeah, grandparents and grandchildren is a lovely bond. I love seeing that. We are just on the eve of Diwali. How is Diwali celebrated in the Mariwala household? I mean, you so, know, pujas, artis, diyas. <laughs> no, normally, I think in the last few years, we've been spending time with my children and grandchildren and going on holidays. But this year, it's not going to happen. Because my wife had enrolled for going to some Antarctic. She's going prior to Diwali. So I'm this year I'm going to be alone in Diwali. <laughs> Bombay, my son is gone, going off to Maldives with some other friends. So I don't know. And there are a lot of parties at Nikla that, so we'll we'll do that. But normally what happens? Do you do like a puja and aarti, some? Uh, there is a puja in the office. In the older days, yes, we used to do more more in office rather than at home. So there is a small puja in office on Friday. And just uh, new clothes. Like they say, you know, so, some people play cards for the shagun. It's not about the gambling, no. but just for the shagun. No, I, I don't <laughs> play cards at all. But uh, I don't mind going. And, you know, there are a lot of dinners and also I don't mind uh, doing that, you know, just celebrating good food <laughs> and meeting friends. Lovely. A music concert you went to that was spectacular, either recently or in the past. So I went to about a year, year and a half back. I'd gone to Ananda, you know, which is that Himalayas. Yeah, Himalayas. And they had a two-day music concert, which is organized by Prasun Joshi. Oh, and nice. it's amazing. I mean, they had a variety of uh, singers, uh, instruments, and covering all types of music, primarily Indian classical music. But they had ghazals, they had so many things, you know. Uh, they had some jazz also. It was like residential program for about about 100 people and all the musicians stayed there Shujat Khan there so we used to interact with the musicians also and that made it very interesting lovely lovely yeah. now that the party season is upon us or the festive season you said you got your work cut out for you going and meeting friends and having meals what are your fashion choices what do you like to wear in the boardroom oh. what do you like to wear when you're out casually so I'm a very simple person Rishi to me comfort is the most important thing you know I have to wear something which I'm comfortable with. whether it is shoes my clothes and now that in Diwali of course I wear kurta pajama where I'm very comfortable wearing that salwar not salwar kameez but kurta and you know the churidars so I'll be doing that and for me fashion is comfort first and of course it has to be where to, it should be but comfort is the first cut for me lovely everybody who's listening to this Harsh is not just chairman of Marico Limited but he's very fond of his baby called the Ascent Foundation he's founder of the Ascent Foundation I urge you guys to go and register at ascentfoundation.in www.ascentfoundation.in and this year's Ascent Conclave is on the 24th of November. And a tip from me personally, please pick up Harsh Realities, this wonderful book that he's written about his life and times and experiences. You will benefit from it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. It was fun as always. Thank you. Thank you, Rishi. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you again.